0: Good morning, you are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me over the phone today, I have Representative Sarah Hannon. How are you doing today? Good morning,
1: Jordan. I'm great. It's uh, a beautiful summer day by the standards we've been having, in that it's relatively warm, and uh, there are some blue patches in the sky.
0: I cannot argue with you there. My logic is it's not torrential rain outside, so I think we're pretty good. Right, so it's a good day. Exactly. Now, there are a couple of things I want to talk with you. Now, obviously, the first big thing is we're out of session now. The session's wrapped up. And we did end up having that one-day special session specifically because of the budget. And so what kind of happened there on the House's end? Because I, I talked with Senator Keel about it from the perspective of the Senate, but I haven't had a chance to hear about it from the perspective of the House. Well, uh, you,
1: you know, so the with the budget the operating budget originated in the House, then passed to the Senate. So once the Senate makes changes, it needs to come back to the House for what's called a concurrence vote. And if you concur with the Senate versions, if there are enough people say, Yep, we agree with that, then that's the end of the process. And and that's what ended up happening. But what traditionally happens for the sake of negotiating from both sides is that historically the the House would reject concurrence with the Senate, therefore putting us into what's called a conference committee where um, three members from each finance committee typically, although they don't have to be, are appointed to talk about the differences between the two versions of the budget. They, you know, how it passed the Senate and how it passed the House. We got caught up in a, um, uh, you know, a political stalemate where um, the Senate did not pass their version back over and we were running out of time to have a uh, a committee process, a conference committee. So um, the Senate was putting us into a corner in the House to do a concurrence vote with the version they passed over because the clock was running out we were getting to the 121st day and in the end that's what happened but changes were made in the Senate on the 120th day um, 121st day I guess that included changes no actually I guess it was in the one day special session I'm trying to remind all the time clocks um, to include the changes that House members needed to be able to vote for it. Um, and in the end, that's what happened. Uh, the Senate amended the budget in this one day special session to include um, mostly capital projects, I, I guess exclusively capital project monies that um, made the budget acceptable to enough people to vote for it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what ended up happening.
0: Okay, and I know part of that was just kind of the going back between back and forth between the House majority and the House minority. Is there is that also part
1: of the, what happened? Oh, and it it was not going back and forth with the House majority and the House minority. We were not, uh, as a member of the House minority, we weren't involved in those final. Um, that posturing because we had already been as far as the operating budget elements of the budget, because this is the other piece is the operating budget and the capital budget had been rolled in together, and um, my caucus was already on board, so sixteen of us were planning to vote for concurrence and supported the Senate version of the operating budget and of course. You know each of us could have turned to something in that and said well i don 't like x or y or I want this dollar amount higher or lower, but overall, in the balance of the budget, the sixteen members of my caucus, the minority caucus in the House, had intended to vote for it, and we had you know expressed that fairly clearly for uh, at least a couple of weeks. So the negotiations were between the Senate majority and the House majority over getting enough of their members uh, to vote for passage of the budget, and that came down to changes in um, capital projects.
0: Okay. And that, that makes it a bit clearer for me, because I understood that it's like the Senate had gone it over to the House, and then the House was discussing for a while. So knowing that it was mostly between the two majorities of both groups, Makes it make a bit more sense for me,
1: yeah, yeah, and it you know it um, certainly was not unanimous by their caucuses side, and in fact, much of their leadership did not vote for it, but um, by the time we got to that day one twenty one and then the one day special session, if we had not had a uh, concurrence vote um, and were starting over. We were looking at the time that we were going to be down to a potential government shutdown because um, you know the the new fiscal year starts July one, and if you don't have a budget signed, then there's not money to continue operations for state agencies. And um, we already, you know the 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 budget the operating budget transmitted to the governor yesterday. Um technically, the governor, uh, he has 20 days, excluding Sundays, uh, to consider the budget before signing it. And that would put it at July 6th. But, of course, again, we come back to July 1st is the start of the new fiscal year. So um, the governor, in reality, doesn't have 20 days to consider the budget and make the vetoes. But on the other hand, the governor has known what's in that budget since the you know day we adjourned um so even though he hasn't had it in its final form before him he's had these three and a half weeks to still consider um elements if he's anticipating uh, vetoing things um but the operating budget as passed is not very different than the operating budget that the governor proposed and i would say that the capital budget items included in the final version there's no um Taj Mahal projects they are still very basic water and sewer and building um you know (laughs) roof repairs on public buildings which uh you know there's certainly other roofs other public not all roof repairs are done across the state but nobody's getting a gold roof and um you know, fancy, fancy things, we are doing sort of fundamental um, maintenance of public infrastructure. And um, I don't think any of them jump out to me as projects that should not go forward, but I'm not the executive who gets to make that decision.
0: (laughs) Right. Okay. And then, kind of while we're still on the budget, one of the things that I thought was quite notable was that There was that fairly significant increase to education funding.
1: Yes. The largest one time uh, increase to the base student allocation, Um, but it's in the budget, not in the base student allocation, is a statute under law that includes a formula of how much money goes to each child in each district. Um, And we did not get the change in the statute that makes that a permanent change, but we increased the amount going to students. Um, The individual increase is $680 per head, um, totaling a $175 million increase to the operating budget.
0: Gotcha. And and that that is quite significant that that's the largest one we've seen pretty much, from my understanding, period, even yes. if it is only one time.
1: Right. Well, and I, I, I'm very confident we're going to see that put, because that same dollar value was the, the versions of the budget, or excuse me, the base student allocation bills, because there's a Senate bill and a House bill, that are addressing that formula change, and that's the dollar amount that was, that's in the most current versions of each of those bills. So, I believe that um, we will see that put into the base student allocation statute next year, that one of those bills will pass. Um, now, there there's an ongoing problem with that, in, and um, a reminder of why this one-time increase is so significant, in that generally, Um, every few years, you know, every two, four years, there is an increase to the base student allocation in an attempt to keep up with inflation costs for school districts. But inflation proofing is not a requirement of the statute. It's not in the statute. And um, we had not changed the base student allocation per head per student for nine years, eight years. And in that course of time of course the inflation has been really high in the last few especially so um that increase doesn't doesn't get us it it doesn't fully keep up with where we've lost to inflation over the last almost decade and it doesn't put us ahead of it um i hope that when we change the the statute with the formula in it that we build in an inflation proofing or a continual growth. Otherwise, that's where you get districts stuck at a number and then a great leap forward um, is a more volatile political target. You know, people go, why, why are we putting, you know, the biggest increase ever? And you go, because we've, we've fallen that far behind. Um, you know, one of the things... Um, a specific data point that has been used by the Juno School District was an insurance component that back in, I think it's 2018, um, cost the district a quarter of a million dollars for P&I insurance, and then it doubled, and it's doubling again this next year. So something that had been a quarter of a million dollars is now going to cost us over a million dollars, and that that's a fixed cost, we have to have insurance, um, P&I insurance, and um, whether we change how much we're getting from the state or not, the district has to have that, and when those costs go up, um, they come out of other places because it's one of those operational costs that must be paid, you know, and for some districts that's a fuel cost that went up, and if we don't keep up with those fixed costs as they go up,
0: it comes out of classroom costs. Gotcha. Now, we are going to move into our break. When we come back, I'll let you kind of elaborate a little bit more on that, and then we'll move on to some other aspects of what's going on in the House. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. Okay. We are... Welcome back to Action Line. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and Jordan, we still, I have Representative Sarah Hanna. Now, in the first half, we spent a lot of our time really talking about how the legislature wrapped up, looking at some of the items within the budget. And I do still kind of want to think on some of those things. You mentioned how, like, obviously, when you're doing such a large increase to something in this particular instance, uh, education funding, that could then be, you know, viewed in a political sense of, oh, well, why are we putting so much money there now? Right. I was going to say, did you want to further elaborate on that? Because you were going for well, a while and then I was like, OK, well, we got to go to the break. So,
1: yeah, no, I, I think I covered it, it just in that we haven't. We hadn't made an increase in almost a decade, and schools have lost the spending power you know the spending power being that broad term saying we can't keep up with all the bills, and some of those bills you don't have flexibility in what they cost um, so uh, you know the, here's here's another place where we we fully funded in this operating budget the school bond debt reimbursement, which um is $67 million statewide, about a $1 million for the Juneau School District, and if the state doesn't put in the contribution, the 50% that the state has on that, then the bond still has to be paid, and the Juno School District has to pay it, and it's got to come out of their budget in other places. Um, so, but the governor had, uh, put it in his operational budget proposal and the legislature did keep with that fully funded. Um, so pretty, uh, pretty excited about that. Um, cause it wasn't as much of a political football this term, um, this budget cycle as it has been in the previous four years that I've served.
0: Um, okay. And now when you... Well, and I think the other key thing to remember is, obviously, since now the governor has to look at the budget, there can still be, you know, item line vetoes or particular parts of the budget can be like, nope, we're not doing that part. Right. And so it's also important to keep that in mind, especially, I, and I say that mostly for the folks that are listening to the show, it's like, even the things that we've talked about, there could still be those item line things where it's like, that part I don't agree with, and then that ends up getting vetoed.
1: Right. But again, like school bond debt, the governor had it funded at that level in his proposal last December. So it would be pretty surprising if he then came around and vetoed it. Because, but over the last four years while I've served, it's been in the legislative, did we put it in at that full amount or not? Um, and um, in, in the four years I've served pr- prior to this year, the governor hadn't always put it in his proposal at the full 50% of it from the state. But the governor put it in there, and in the final budget version, it's in there at that same amount. Um so it anticipated being signed, and um you know, on many and again, the governor had talked about increases on in education funding throughout the year it It was not a a new theme or just just the legislature talking about it uh across the state fifty three school districts continued to express needs and concerns about their ongoing operational costs and um you know, the need to change the base student allocation
0: after that length of time. Right. Now there was another topic I want to discuss with you. And this was something we talked uh, the last time you came on and mm-hmm. I was curious to see how, if at all it had progressed, which was HB 43. And now, as I'm sure, you know, that was the, the bill revolving around um, the banning or prohibiting of conversion therapy.
1: Correct my yes, I'm the prime sponsor of that bill, um, and it did not progress. We, we only had the, the one hearing for it before uh, the um, Health and Social Services Committee. And um, we were never granted a second hearing or public testimony on it. Um, but I continue to talk about that issue, and that issue is out there, especially when we talk about suicide rates among young people. Um, and that is one of my motivations for introducing that bill. Um, and, it, you know, globally and within the United States, it still continues to be. Um, an action that many locations are looking at to reduce suicide risk of um, young people.
0: Okay. And I think it is of note, at least in my eyes, the fact that it hasn't you know, gotten that second hearing because I, I would say to someone who may not be familiar with the sort of legislative process that could almost make it seem like it was being delayed, but I also know that there's a lot that goes into when things have hearings, when things don't have hearings, and there's a lot more steps involved there.
1: Well, <laughs> uh uh you know I I don't want to chime in or uh you know give motives to to chairmen of committees uh the the majority in the house when they organized majority one of the things that they said was they would give every bill a hearing and um you know so m- that bill whether that chairman supports it or not they're sort of we will give every bill that requests it a hearing um, but to get a second hearing generally starts to indicate that there's interest in moving a bill forward and um, seeing if you can work out the problems that you have in it but uh, again we weren't ever granted a second hearing or public testimony on that bill so um, we'll continue to push for it next session Okay. And it wasn't
0: my intention to kind of put you in a position where you would have to be like, oh, I think it's this. That's never my intention. It's just, those are one of those kinds of times where I'm like, okay, well, if I'm trying to look at this from the perspective of just someone on the street and they're just seeing this has happened and now it's not happening, a lot of things can go through your head if you don't have more in-depth knowledge of the process.
1: Right, right. Well, and what I always, I had a, a school group here yesterday and I um, when we were talking about that you know most things by the when they get to the floor in either the Senate or the House for a vote, they pass and you, you have to remember that this is all a process that 's an affirmative process, so you don 't move things from the first step to the second whether it 's from the first committee to its second committee of referral or from a first hearing to a second hearing unless you have support for it. So every idea can be proposed or any idea can be proposed. But by the time something is coming to a final vote in the body, you know that you've got enough votes to put it on the floor. You haven't put it on the floor for a final vote unless you have the votes to pass it. Because all of this is time and energy from folks and it's one of those of if if you don't have the support to go forward then you don't keep moving it forward and um yeah
0: gotcha well, I do know that you are going to be having a hard deadline for when you need to head out. So I do want to give you this chance to make a final comment because you got about a minute and 20 seconds.
1: Well, I just want to make sure that the community knows that um, there is a state legislative delegation town hall next Thursday, June 22nd, 530 to 630 p.m. at um, Juno Douglas Yadukla uh, comments. Um There will be snacks. Uh, pizza will be provided. Um, I, unfortunately, will not be in attendance. There's been a fun- uh, a death in my family, and I will be out of state at a funeral. Um, but uh, my staff will be there, along with Representative Story and Senator Keel. And um, the ability to make sure we're hearing from our constituents is really significant. And so I'd urge people To come or reach out if they have things they want to ask or share their opinions on.
0: Gotcha. Well, Rosethan, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me. I knew I knew we had to you know reschedule a couple of times this month, but I was always willing to accommodate. I'm glad that you were willing to accommodate for that as well.
1: Yes, thank you. I know I have been a hard shuffle um, because you were to be next week while I'm going to be gone. And, um, yes, the ability to reshuffle till today was very helpful. So,
0: alrighty. Well, I will let you go. You've all been listening to Action Line on KINY.